Hey there, are you ready to build a fitness business that becomes a true income producing asset? Then I welcome you to the Fitness Business Freedom Show brought to you by Fitness Revolution. I am your host, Justin Hanover, and we have over 15 years of experience building thriving fitness businesses, and we are committed to sharing our knowledge and expertise with you. You can expect to hear proven business foundations and frameworks, success stories from our coaching partners, and guest experts to give you straight answers for your biggest questions. It doesn't matter if you have an online business, fitness facility, or operate as an independent trainer. You are in the right place to grow your business and create the personal freedom you desire. Welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Justin Hanover, success coach with Fitness Revolution. Before we dive on and bring on today's guest, I want to share a little bit about what you can expect to hear and who I have joining me. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Roger Billick. Roger's experience includes 24 years with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, where he led business intelligence for their used car sales division. Like he did with for Enterprise, Roger created Unleash Insight so small to medium-sized companies can play Moneyball too by adding science to the art of decision-making that results in cutting, wasting, and unlocking opportunities. Unleash Insight's primary niche is supporting multi-location companies. Their services include market research, location planning, market optimization, talent studies, and leadership scorecards. Playing Moneyball serves two of Roger's values in community and fairness. Community in that teamwork rules and the data insights can help coach the team to more winning outcomes. Fairness by ensuring performance evaluations consider the opportunity each team or person is provided. So are you giving your business the best possible shot to succeed? Do you know if you should expand in your area or not? Powerful questions that you can answer when you know how to properly do market research and let the numbers guide you. If you are thinking about opening your first location, second location, or possibly relocating, then knowing your market is vital. And that is exactly what we dive in to today's conversation with Roger. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get this started and bring Roger on. Today's episode is brought to you by Fitness Revolution. So you started your fitness business and you've been in the game now for a few years. You might have even seen some good growth over those years, but now you feel stuck. You feel like the momentum you once had just isn't there and you don't know how to get it back. Should you be focusing on your marketing, your sales, or your team? What is the next bottleneck to focus on that will allow you to, to break the chains holding you back? That is a great question, and one of the biggest skills as an owner is to be able to understand and identify the next biggest issue to keep your business moving. And that is exactly why Fitness Revolution has created our proprietary needs assessment to allow you to quickly see where your business stacks up and receive immediate feedback on what to focus on next. It's a quick 10-question assessment that will be able to provide valuable feedback to get past sticking points and hit your next goal. Whether you are stuck, feeling frustrated with the current progress, or just want to dial in what's working, this assessment is the first step to making that happen. I invite you to head over to the show notes where a direct link to the needs assessment will be so you can easily access it there. Now, let's jump into today's show. Roger, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend it with us, sharing your insights uh, with other gym owners and fitness professionals to help them grow on their journey. Uh, Justin, thank you for having me on. 
It's truly our pleasure. So I like to always start with giving our listeners some perspective as to who we're talking to and being able to hear your journey. So if you can give us that thousand foot overview of how you became the Roger that we're speaking with today. Certainly, certainly. Uh, actually, accounting CPA background, I fortunately fell upon a company called Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, rent a car and spent 24 years there. Uh, I like to say I was a, always a creative accountant. I like to be on the building and development of things. And mm. I was fortunate in the second half of my career, I uh, moved over to the enterprise car sale division where we sold a lot of our uh, past rental and leasing cars and, and aspects. And it actually worked out well because it was just a couple of years before the 2000 recession hit. And when that recession hit, leadership realized that, hey, we had a really bad business model mm. and then that's where I kind of got pulled in I led the business intelligence for the division so I started pulling data and showing some things as you know things like hey you know what if we sell at least a minimum of 50 cars we we can make good profit and we can pay our people well and do well so that kind of set a new Mendoza line that hey everybody's got to sell 50 cars and at that time we only had probably 10% of the uh, uh, dealership selling 50 but then from mm. there we just started doing location planning uh, strategies based on data, hours and staffing evaluations, and just evaluating KPIs. Bottom line, I just helps, I just help support leadership's vision of to get these larger, bigger scale dealerships, and the data helps support us to get there. I believe it helped us get us faster and get the buy-in from the teams that, I mean, at the end of the day, remember, I think it was in the first four years uh, as we're doing this, uh, sales per store uh, improved 50% and profits quadrupled. And I know since I left Enterprise five years ago, they were, they're almost gonna double sales here since then. So wow. uh, it's a big thing where it's, it's I, I just believe it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I'm, you know, I'm always been a uh, math is my strength and I'm a data guy. It just adds science to the art of business mm. and just kind of helps support the leadership that you know, just seeing some things you may not see uh, uh, just f from the artistic point of view. Yeah, definitely. So, so you were the one behind that shit. I remember that that shift when they started uh, selling the cars and everything. And I was wondering, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because you know the the you know really rent rentals the big the main thing at Enterprise. But you know, 40, 50, 40 years ago, they said, hey, we could you know if we could start selling some of these retail instead of selling them all wholesale, mm. you know, we could make some more more money more money. Plus, the more cars we take out of the wholesale market, it'll help us get more money for those at wholesale. But it was just kind of an offshoot, and they just started setting up little itty bitty lots, you know, connected mm. to a rental office, okay. and then finally realized, you know, think about yourself. When you want to go look at a car, you want to have some selection. Yes. And yeah. when, you know, if, if you got this lot with 30, 40 cars, by the time you narrow it down to, yeah. <laughs> hey, do I want an SUV, car, or truck? Do I want large, medium, small? There's mm. not many options left. So I think they no. just realized that, hey, we needed to get to these bigger footprints because people want options. People need selection. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to give your, your folks an opportunity for the right car. At the end of the day, it's, and it's really helping. You know, I, I still remember uh, uh, leadership said, hey, you know what? We're going to be able to drive this business for, forward a lot more if we can, you know, set up a store where we're paying somebody a manager six figures than if we're paying them, you know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. We can mm. get better people by getting, you know, making. Let's make this a six-figure position, but we can only do that if we're making enough money per dealership. Definitely. That's that's fantastic, and obviously it obviously all comes down to like you said, looking at the data to be able to make these decisions, and it's not just coming from a, a place of emotion. <laughs> yeah, and that's where you know a couple of the things you know it was kind of a two phase approach initially, like with the you know we started with location planning because that's kind of a foundation. Because I look at it, 
locations have are really two reasons why a location doesn't succeed. Either one, you put it in a place where you didn't give yourself enough opportunity, mm. or you you don't have the right leadership in place. Simple, yeah. It's kind of as simple as that. Mm. And the data just helped with that because one of the first things we did is, hey, we looked at a lot of the locations that, hey, you know what, we simply put it in a spot. You know, all things being equal, would you rather be around ten thousand chances or five thousand chances? Well, mm. you're, you're more likely to succeed yeah. if you get ten thousand <laughs> chances in your area. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know, the other risk is, hey, I, you know, I still remember we had, you know, we'd have two really, you know, decent dealerships, but then we put another one right in the middle and the old cannibalization factor. And, you know, I, and I hear that from a lot of franchise owners today that, yeah. hey, I'm doing everything I can, but I, you know, I think they put a couple other franchises too close to me. And I'm, I'm looking at the map. I'm like, yes, definitely. You're, you got, you know, you're getting cannibalized because one of the big things with location planning is you got to be careful not to, uh, put stores too close to each other because you know you know great you could you know we we added that dealership and great it sold 50 cars but it took 20 from two of the other dealerships yeah yeah so it's net, really not net, growth yeah. yeah yeah net 10 is not a profitable business yeah. model no, <laughs> definitely not so i want to push into that a little bit more with like the whole like data collection and basically market research like obviously that's a big part of when creating your marketing plan and like your actual approach so could you break down exactly like what market research is and kind of demystifying that and like kind of like the, the metrics that are valuable? Yeah, for sure. And um, and a couple methodologies. One of the big one first is I, let's talk about location planning because that's kind of a foundation mm -hmm. there. And that's where I think the big thing is you're trying to understand your target audience and then also what is your primary coverage? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, first target audience is, you know, and I've worked with a couple fit, fit uh fitness clients and you know everybody's a little bit different so you know one is I had you know you know for example one work with was probably focused on on females uh, that were probably in their 40s and 50s another one was mostly focused on single people that were in their 20s and 30s mm. so by there you can start analyzing and looking at the opportunity that you know both of those locations had different opportunity in the in the marketplace had different areas and the, and the markets were, were better for each one were, was varied depending on, on because of their target audience varied uh, uh, quite a bit uh, another key aspect is that primary coverage I think most people and it's funny because I always ask people this question is hey how far do you think people will come to you in your primary coverage and they almost always overstate it and, they, and both yeah. the, a couple of these guys always say that you're like, oh my gosh I thought you know they go 15-20 minutes and then I came back and showed that well, really, we got two audiences. There is the local residential community, and then you have the commercial business community that may be people that work in the area. Mm. And what we found is the people that did come, there are some that come 15, 20 minutes away, but, but actually most of those were actually only coming to you because they worked in the area. Mm. Or they had, or they, maybe That's they had you know, taken care of a, a relative in the area. We did some surveys in that to confirm all that. And one of the key things I see where people make the mistake is they'll look at, uh, you know, they'll look at where all their people come from. And, and I say, as you're looking at location planning, you need to narrow it down because I'll show that, hey, you need to look at, I call it the theory of opportunity, that too often we look at just the numer numerator. We need to look at the denominator of how many chances. And when you bring that denominator in and look at market share, you'll see that, I'm just using it as an example, hey, we have 5% market share from zero to six minutes. From, from six to 12 minutes, hey, we still got 4% market share, but outside 12 minutes, it falls off a roof below 1%. Wow. And that's my, and so that's my thing is trying to think is, hey, we gotta be careful not to count those 
because as you get too far out, you can't count that as a potential market. I call that a secondary mm. market. Hey, we're not going to turn them away. We're happy to get people 15, 20 minutes oh, away. Yeah. But when you're trying to plan and figure out where to put that location, you I mean, people are only going to go so far to work out. That takes time out of your day mm-hmm. that you want somewhere close that you really need some pretty good density typically around your area, uh, density of your target audience. Definitely. That- so like, what are you actually using to get that type of information and collect that data? Uh, oh, I have some. I have some uh, mapping software, and with that, there's uh, a variety of things you can get. Uh, there's census demographic data that you can use. Uh, there's also there's some lifestyle data that's available. Uh, sometimes it's important too to put competition in there. You know, that's another uh, metric you use to say, hey, we're all things being equal. You probably want to go in the area that has less competition. Uh, definitely, you got to start with actually too is your the uh, client's customer data. You start with your own customer data because first you got to learn. It's kind of a first step process is let's confirm and understand who our target audience is and, and and using that census data to kind of help with that, but really understand your customers. And it's 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 neat because sometimes um, the fun part about this, it opens up opportunity as well, because one of the clients talked about how, you know, he was mostly focused on 20s and 30s. And I came back to him and showed him, you know what, I know that by numerator, you don't have many people in the 40s. But where your existing locations are, there's not many people in their 40s there. You actually have a really good market share there, and your retention on the 40-year-olds is just as, is actually even better than those on the 30s and 20s. So one of the ways you can grow is, hey, you expand your market that showed him that, hey, his target audience could not just be 20s and 30s, but could also be 40-year-olds as well. And the data helps support that to show that, hey, your market share and that age range is very good and we, we actually tracked re, you know check retention as well because that's important uh, one of the key things that i'm helping uh, several clients for going through this is the other key is hey it's not about just new members or new customers it's about your goal isn't to get a new member your goal is to get a loyal members that's sticking around mm-hmm. yes so one of the keys we do is when we look at your customer database we focus on loyal members we don't, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to attract a bunch of the people that are coming and leaving you in two or three months. We want to get, we want to figure out what is that target audience on those people that are sticking with you and are loyal to you. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely very true. Yeah. So, is there, I guess, anyway, for like the maybe like the, the average small business owner yeah. that's trying to figure out or get better information or better data. Um, let's say they don't maybe have access to the same software that you have. Mm-hmm. Is there any way to at least start getting something to work off of to make better decisions? You know, I think some of the, uh, the I believe some of the small um, business administration offices provide some of that, that data free. They provide some of that census data. Okay. Uh, you might be able to find some of it online in Google searching. Uh, but I, one thing I would suggest is you know look out look check out with your local. Uh, small business association that they might have some things to kind of help provide some mm-hmm. guidance on some of that. And now, is there any truth to? I've heard some people talk about how, like, um, like maybe if you have like a, a franchise that's in your area that's similar to the demographic that you're serving or somewhat near it, um, is it kind of like safe to uh, to bet that that area is probably a good area to be in since they're there? 
Yeah, I think you definitely can look at that. Uh, yeah, you can definitely see that, hey, if they're there, you know, if, if, if you don't have that capability and you could kind of see that, hey, they're probably doing some of this planning, I, I definitely think that's a position to start. I mean, we would do that at Enterprise. We'd see, hey, hmm. Here's an area. Oh, CarMax is there, and Shockley, <laughs> if it fit right there, CarMax is there. We'd always laugh because we, you know, we had Google Maps out, and we'd be up in the sky, and we could see a blue roof, and we're like, go down there and bet it's CarMax, and boom, it's CarMax. So we're like, <laughs> and you, you know, then we go back and look at the data. It's like, yeah, CarMax knew what they were doing. They put their locations in the right in the right spots. Hmm. So yeah, that is a good point. That is, uh, you know, if you don't have that capabilities, uh, you know, because you know. To do that, sometimes you definitely want to see where some of those bigger players are going because hopefully they're keep they might be doing some of those analytics themselves. Uh, an, another interesting way of for market research is uh, I call it as a, a learning from uh, the way people search Google. You, I, I've I've done some work where I've done uh, some research projects that hey we research and 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 do some research based on how users are searching online. And two key things we're, we're looking there is one, we break it into, hey, based on the way they search, or is this my uh, primary audience? Is this a secondary audience or is this out of market? Mm. Uh, and that's key is just, you know, for example, if, um, you know, for, oh, for the one that was focused on, on women that, hey, we know the primary market was anyone that was searching, hey, certain fitness things for women. Hey, that's primary market. If somebody just says, hey, gym near me, well, that's secondary market because we don't know if they're a male or female. It just helps you kind of segregate. And what you find is, is, and then, you know, you can go start, you know, I do this and you just look at it as an example. I, I'll use their Google ad spend to kind of verify this information. If they're spending money on Google ads, you'll see that, hey, the return on primary audience will be like, hey, 10 new members per $1,000. Secondary audience might be three new members and the out of market will be zero. You might, you'd be surprised as how much your money is wasted in the wrong areas uh, uh, in, in, in your ad spend. Uh, the second thing the research does is help identify, we, we, we track it by customer journey. Where's the customer in their journey that if someone's looking like, hey, just some fitness ideas, that's kind of that top of the funnel type things that, you know, th th those are harder. You get, you're trying to pull them into your market. That's, yeah. you know, there's good marketing opportunities there but they're not yet ready to buy typically. Hey, people that are looking at products and actually fitness companies, those people are more middle down, you know, get down the funnel and those looking at certain brands. It helps you understand the market and where are customers. Uh, and I just did some work on the fitness industry. In the fitness industry, you know, there's not too many people super top of the funnel. We've all been working out most of our lives. So we're not, you know, most of us are pretty aware. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. there are some people looking at options. You know, there's a lot of people looking at product and, you know, product and companies and, you know, gyms near me. And the trend is, the good news is for people with physical locations, you know, since COVID, the last two years, there is a lot more searches of people looking for gym near me. Uh, mm. our, our, our yoga studio near, near me, you know, people are looking to get back out and see, uh, you know, get back out to physical locations to, for their fitness needs. Just looking at it, changing his marketing agency after some assessments, and you know, one of the, we're talking to some other agencies. One of the first one has said, "Hey, we could do it for twenty five hundred dollars a month." You start seeing these big numbers, and just for organic, and I'm just like, "Okay, hold on a second. Do you, <laughs> do you even know if you could win?" Because you know, they're saying, yeah. "Hey, we're going to just help you there," and it's like, "Okay, are, are you sure?" That you're going to win. Uh, from a location standpoint, one of the things that I always get weary about is, oh, so a buddy of mine called and there's a, there, there might be this place in a strip mall. And that's like, okay, to me, that's a red flag because, 
you're kind of letting the real estate pen where you go rather than you leading the way. My philosophy with location planning is you get the data and in your market, you should already know, well, how many locations can I fit in here long term and about what areas? And to me, you go tell the real estate, hey, I want to be in, hey, this area X, Y, Z. Now find me the right location in this area. So versus kind of, you know, you want to find your right target area first and then go from there. Um, and then I think this, uh, you know, the, with the marketing aspect, I think the my, uh, I, I always say there's four keys to, for marketing. And this is where I challenge, as you, as you, you know, challenge yourself or if you got a, some, I know, a marketing agency helping, making sure you're both on the same page that you need these four things. One, do we have the right target audience? That are we focused on, you know, that's the right, uh, you know, if you're, are you men or women or, hey, the demographic, you know, if you're a high-end place, you don't need to be sending ads to people that are under, you know, making less than $50,000. So are, are those settings put up there? You'd be surprised how often these things aren't. I just recently had a client that's focused in Missouri and Illinois, and their agency was bidding on terms of, hey, this product in Canada was spent 35% oh, wow. of things. And that's and that was a di- no, that was a digital marketing expert. So just don't, really? don't assume your agency... That's crazy. Has this nailed down? I mean, there was complete ways. So that's one target audience. Two is, hey, messaging. You want to match the messaging to where that customer is in the customer journey. So if somebody's looking for, hey, you know, hey, what are some fitness strategies in that? You want to speak to that language. And that's different than if someone's looking for a gym near me. Your language is, your message is different depending where they're at in their customer journey. The next place is channels. Hey, what are the right channels? You know, Google paid ads may not be right for everybody. Hey, Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook might be good for consumers, but I got a client that does some stuff to consumers and some stuff B2B, but Facebook's probably not the right answer for B2B. Uh, and, and even on B2B, another good example here of target audiences, hey, B2B, your, should your ads be running 24 by 7? I think most business owners are probably in bed by 9 o'clock. So, yeah, yeah. so I just, you know, once true. again, I had an agency that's running, you know, and, and they're usually working Monday through Friday. So if you start sending ads out to people on the weekends or at 2 in the morning, that's probably not your clientele. So, mm. but that third piece is, hey, are the right channels. And then the fourth piece is winning their trust, one on your website, and then two in your sales process. How are those aligned? I always think about your website should be aligned to that customer journey. One of the things I, one of my things, if I see a website start with about us, as, as the first yeah. thing the top has, that uh, that concerns me because they always say messaging should be about the customer and their pains, mm-hmm. and not about you. So I always say, hey, that about us section, yeah, you might you need it, but that should be to the far right. Answer the customer's questions first, and then as they slide down, they're going to want to look and learn about you to see if you're the right fit. So you usually need those four things all turning together to really optimize your marketing efforts. Uh, and a, oh, another thing, a red flag, as I see, is if someone's, uh, from a marketing metric standpoint, if people are just talking about website traffic and cost per click and impressions, what's your goal? Your goal is to get loyal members. At the end of the day, that's the measure. You know, yeah. And there's two ways to get more loyal members. You either get more productivity and get more loyal members per the money you spend or you spend more money. Simple mm-hmm. as that. And and that's the key thing. Um, you know, I just had an example here again where a client, you know, they had a big sp- spike last year in website traffic and, and it was like a 
increase in traffic by the agency from the prior year, and that was one of their big, you know, oh great, we're, we're you know we're really helping get traffic. Well, then we filtered it for just what was it, the traffic in the United States, and that growth went down to 200 percent. Then we put the hey, what about and just Missouri and Illinois? This client's only in Missouri and Illinois. Website traffic actually went down 17 percent. So right. it's just like you know, it just make sure you're you know you got to really make focus on your targeting audience as a key thing and making sure you're understanding the right metrics. So, and at mm-hmm. the end of the day, for one big key for me is, you know, from a KPIs perspective and running your business, I think too often we have too much information out there and the focus is trying to get to, I mean, in my opinion, you should be able to run a, you should, you should be able to run your business from a one page summary. Yes, there's additional reports, but you only go there if you need them. Because, hey, if your marketing's doing well and you're getting, let's just say you're happy getting 50 new loyal members every month, do you need to know anything else about marketing? If you're happy and it's growing, what else do you need to know? Yeah. To your point, as an, as an owner, right, you just want to know, are we growing and getting better? Or mm. if we're not, okay, if we're not, now I got to dig into the next, you know, let me go to the further in and understand why we're not, you know, why aren't we at 50? Why are we only at 20 this month? Yeah. If that helps. No, yeah. No, definitely. That, that yeah. makes complete sense. Yeah. So, like, I guess I want, I want to still, like, sit on that topic a little bit more on helping people understand how to, like, if, like you said, like, if they have the capabilities of winning organically, um, like, I guess like, I just want to like really make that super clear to because like mm. that's definitely like a big approach yeah. to a lot of people is is the organic, um, which I mean could rightfully be so if they haven't necessarily dialed in their actual approach and they don't want to waste money on like paid ads or something yeah. like that until they yeah. actually have their offer figured yeah. out. Um, so maybe let's, let's speak to that person that's in that place that like yeah. hasn't actually figured out everything yet, but they need to start getting out there obviously. Yeah. Um, so like. Where, like, how, like, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe yeah. just you don't have to use the name of the, your client, but like maybe the, the area that they were in. Like, how did right. you, like, what would they use you know, for their search terms or make sure that is uh, on their website, whatever, to make sure that they show up? And, and like, how would they know that that's going to be a, a good term? Right. No, that's okay. Yeah. Great questions here. And, and that is true. I mean, ideally, the more you can win things organically, the better because you're, whatever you're doing there, that's there and that's there for a long yeah. period of time. You know, a paid advertisement is there one time and you either hit or miss. If you can mm-hmm. win things organically, is fantastic. Now, one of the things is just understanding, especially as a small business, is hey, you, you need to get up on the first page, just making sure that you can get there. Because one of the key things is to, to win organically, you need to have good content on your website that might get shown up on the page are you answering users questions out there that they need some of its term- terminology one of the client i've been recently using on they were kind of using their lingo mm-hmm. and for the way people search online that's not the lingo for example one of the things is they called it residential well nobody searches things is oh i need this product for re- re- residential no they call it mm-hmm. i need this for my home so one of the first yeah. things we've done is change th- we're changing things on the website and things that be hey this is about this is for my home not for residential that was just their speak um, so you got you're trying to think of different you know what's the what is the user terminology often we get stuck in our lingo uh, of of that uh, the other thing is you know to your point about hey you know what do we put in for our blogs uh, content on the website that's where that keyword planner I mentioned. 
that's yeah. a good tool because you want to answer questions that people are asking in Google. You know, you could put some content out there, but if nobody's searching for it, is that going to be very valuable? Um, mm. I've had a client that, you know, a good portion of their blogs are getting no visits. Now they're getting one that is getting thousands of visits a month. It hit the money on what people are asking. Now, nice. what, now what we're working on with this client is that, well, if this is so important and so many people are interested in this, why shouldn't this content be in the core part of the website? Yeah. So that's one of our things. That's one of the things we're working on. Their his their website's actually good. It just but we're trying to make it better, and we're kind of doing a refresh. And the, we got a uh, we got a another priority first about addressing the customer pain points first. But one of the next things is, hey, how do we take that blog and put it into the core of the content of the website? Because if the blog isn't getting that much visibility and that many yeah, questions, definitely, how do we move that into the core? Because then organically, hopefully we might get more people and that might get better rankings because we're getting the right thing to the website. Um, mm. My recommendation there would be think about what is your customer's, the customer journey. So think about, you know, that top of the funnel is what are their pain points and needs? And to me, mm. that's where, and two is, two, you know, next is kind of like, hey, what are the, pro, you know, what are the potential solutions? Uh, then you start getting middle of the funnel. Hey, what are your products? What are, you know, then it's about you. What is your differentiation? And then that's kind of your top navigation. And think about, hey, what does the customer have to answer to get those things? And if you can start answering those questions, that can hopefully be that content to get some of that organic visibility. Now, that's number one. You got to get the right content. Now, the reality is on some of this, if you're a small business, a key is a the key, if, if two companies have the same content, the one with the higher domain authority is going to win out. And domain authority is just a way for Google to kind of rank uh, how many people trust you. And as it, most small businesses might be a 20 to 30. No, mm. Amazon's like a 90. So <laughs> if you and Amazon have the same content, Google, Google and domain authority is basically saying, Google's saying, well, if, if more people are connected and linked to, to Amazon, that means a lot of people trust Amazon if people have sent these little things called linking to each other. So if yep. you and Amazon have the same content, Amazon's going to be ahead of you. Yeah. So that's just one. You, know, you could have all the you – know, at first start getting the right content, but then it's, there is some reality check that, hey, can I get up there in there? One of the findings mm -hmm. I did on this fitness industry was for – for physical gyms, there is opportunity because that gym market is very fragmented. So there is not a lot of big players. So organically, you can get yourself up and get in the engines in some of those places. And, and you do have opportunity to get in there. So there was opportunity there. Now for things that were more of on the home market, like uh, the Pelotons of the world and a lot of the home gym, that's a very competitive because those are major big players bat yeah. battling out. Tons of competition there. But in that fret in, in more of the local gym market there is opportunity to win in the engines organically the, yeah no that makes sense yeah the, the other key i'd say here is it comes back to measurement that tr me do your best to measure of the measure is once again it's not website traffic it's not clicks it's well can you measure of how many of these how many how many loyal members did we get from blogs how many loyal members did we get organically if you can track that as well as you can and get a sense of what is the high valued activities that are leading to your new members that's where you start seeing because i've often seen you know 
and I know you know blogs are a way to get out there, but I've often seen where blogs are usually a lot of website traffic that comes in and they leave and they don't turn into customers. So just being mindful of is that blog generating not just traffic, but is it helping generate customers? And it's important to track that to make sure you're investing your time in. Uh, you know, the other thing with social media, social media is great and you need to do that, but social media is also mostly only your existing customers today. That's not attracting new yeah. customers because the only people following you are probably your members and friends already, the people that already yeah. know you. So that's just yeah. one thing I try to people, when people talk organic, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn, yeah, it's great and it's a good thing to be a reminder, but remember that that's probably working on your existing member base more than attracting new members. Yeah, no, definitely. And I would say like, for the most part when it comes organic to like the major social media platforms, you don't necessarily have control over obviously who's seeing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it could be anybody. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things too is, is you kind of get, and, and I talked about that market research process, are, are you leveraging keyword planner? You get it and that might give you ideas. You know, once you get a content idea, you know, you can put that, what you put on the blog can be used on Facebook, can be used on LinkedIn. Keep mm -hmm. in mind, multi-purpose, the uses of your things are, you know, if you got a picture of a new member or something you want to share, you know, post it on all those sites that you can yeah. leverage it in multiple, you know, leverage one piece of content in multiple areas. Yeah, no, definitely. I, that's uh, definitely a crucial thing. Um, that in terms, and I, I like what you said that, you, that that there is a lot of potential in this space for some like like the micro gyms and stuff like that because obviously yes. I mean like like the big competitors for brick and mortar would be like your 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 Planet Fitness, Gold's Gym, like places like that that. Um, yes, they technically could serve the same person, but they're not on the same wavelength <laughs> um, with uh, with their approach and everything, and, and obviously how they're they're yep. particularly marketing. Uh, so there definitely is really good uh, potential there. Um, and I like what you brought up um, in, in terms of being able to multi-purpose and use things differently. So I, I wanted to actually hit on the blog thing that you said, um, how it may not necessarily be driving the right type of traffic. This so like, have you had a client where that was the case? And then what did you maybe steer them towards? In, was it another organic approach? Yeah. Uh, well, one, on a measurement standpoint, one of the things we're working on is, uh, you know, we're, we're filtering the Google Analytics to just their target area. So we can see is, hey, what's what's their primary audience if they're if they're only in Missouri and Illinois well we don't want to look at Google Analytics for the whole country because the only users that really matter are those that are in Missouri and Illinois so we're creating a reporting that's only based on that local audience so we don't get distracted by these people that in reality aren't potential customers because somebody in California is not going to be using this company and which has probably happened in the fitness industry as well uh, so that's where it's trying to understand you know, this this is where one of my things is, hey, you may not have to be doing, I, I, I'm more in quality than quantity, that you may not need to be in the quantity of, say, every social media channel. Do you need to maybe be focused on which channel's working? You know, if you, as you start doing the data and you start seeing what's working, you know, especially for B2C, you probably see that Facebook might work better than LinkedIn. So, hey, maybe you mm -hmm. put more energy in the Facebook, figure out which areas, if, if you measure and see which areas seem to be getting the most engagement and leading to more things, Maybe you, one, you can pause or stop some areas and reallocate it into those that are working. And then two is then, hey, now let's go back. Think about those four areas. 
I mentioned to be successful. Hey, are we hitting the right target audience? If you're feeling good about that, hey, messaging, it's probably a messaging thing is really thinking about that messaging organically and, and, and are we hitting up, you know, I get back to that customer journey, are we answering questions mm -hmm. and just rethinking the content. Uh, I use this exa uh, an example for a blog. Uh, as, as I was helping out a market seed, they had a customer and most of their blogs were just funny, unrelated stories to the business. And it was like, guys, this is doing you nothing. <laughs> I mean, it'd, it'd be like, here, here's a dog driving a car, brushing his teeth. Okay, well, you're just, people are only coming to your site to get a laugh. So it's yeah, like, hey yeah. guys, you just you just think about, are you answering mm. questions to help their needs? That's you, you yeah. just really need to ask yourself that question. Are your are your messaging's there? And then, you know, and then is back to is it in the right channel? And then here on the website, you no, know, great, you got this blog that took them there. And and maybe here's the key: is hey, on your blogs, is there a call to action? What's the mm, next step? As, as they come to your blog, you know, sometimes your blogs are fine. But you're not helping them get, you know, I always say yeah. a blog should lead you into the core of your website that, hey, mm -hmm. okay, you want to learn more? Let's learn more about why our fitness approach might help help with your fitness goals. And then that should drive them to your core website. So think about that. Always have that call to action ready to, you know, make sure there's a call to action on your blogs. You know, even on your social media posts to have, hey, what, what, what's the call to action? Come visit us. Give us a call. Have some kind mm -hmm. of call to action. Help that customer with that next step. Yeah, no, that, that's a, a really good point. And, yeah. and like, yeah, I, I've seen some people like some uh, facilities where like they have basically like testimonials as their blogs. And, and I've asked them, I was like, okay, who knows these people and who's searching for them? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously they can't answer that because it's right. nobody. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, great it's, point. it's not helping you at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great to have those testimonials, but that shouldn't be seen as obviously like the lead in source um, of bringing people into your site. No, that's a great um, point. That's a great point. A type of thing. And, and I'm like, yeah, like you said, like definitely the, the call to action is huge because um, like I always like tell people like your blog should be written as like basically a, a sales page you know um, like it, it should be seen as inf informative but also it, it is selling them and it's guiding them to like you said the next step of whatever that is in the journey um, for that particular person yeah and that's where I kind of say is you know you think about that messaging, hey, where in the journey is it? Then that should take you to the landing page of your site to based on where and, and the journey is. Because one of the things I see too often, sometimes people like, oh, con trial today, do that. It's like, well, have you even answered the person's question yet? I mean, you mm. can always have a button to contact you anytime on your site. You've got to have that. But yeah, yeah. to help the person get, like if you're just giving the benefits that, okay, here's the classes that have, can help with this. I don't know. Just, you got to be mindful mm. of help answer the the customer's questions that's that's just that's the key what is what i find yes yeah oh he said like right in the beginning i mean yeah. it's putting their voice first yeah yeah it's so valuable. yeah and that's I great mean, like you said you know testimony who's searching you know the blogs kind of be to get traffic to your site but no one's searching oh no who's got testimonials on this guy's site yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i guess unless you're working with celebrities or something yeah. but yeah yeah, like other than that, I don't think anyone's gonna be searching for those people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, like Roger, this has been an, an amazing conversation, and you brought so many powerful insights. And I, I hope that you guys listening to this are really paying attention. And if you have to re-listen to this and take notes, because this is bringing actual strategy into your approach and and be able to make better business decisions. And just like Roger said multiple times, so you're you're not. Putting
putting a lot of your efforts into um, categories that aren't doing anything for you. You know, I mean, just it makes it look like you're doing something, but you're spinning your wheels and going nowhere fast. Uh, so this has been a hugely valuable conversation to improve that particular area uh, of your business. Uh, now, as we work towards wrapping up the conversation, as I mentioned to you before, Roger, I like to end with this uh, particular question of being able to see your perspective. But let's say a, a gym owner came to you for mentorship um, based on your background, your expertise. What do you feel is the most important thing for them to hear? Yeah, you know, I think one the art of business is always there. And I, I almost get, I'm jealous of a lot of these owners because it's like, it's cool how they see this vision and create all this. And it's amazing mm. of what they've done and, and how they uh, bring this all to light. And where I see is my, my thing is where I'd say is, Hey, compliment that art that you have with that, with the, with the data science, that science is a complimentary thing mm. to help along you know it's like they always said you, you don't want, want everyone in the same room to in the room to be alike you, you sometimes yeah. it helps to have that different perspective and what i find from the data it helps either one, one it helps identify waste you didn't see two it often just maybe validates where you know it, it often just validates what direction you're thinking about and just confirms mm -hmm. it's the right thing to move forward where where, where you might hem and haul do we go to this location and and take a year to decide the data often supports and lets you know to go forward and i just recently had, i got a client that you know that you know, one of their stores is thinking about hey do they maybe expand or not and i have the data to support that hey the data totally supports it there's so much opportunity in the area when you're ready to expand expand because you, yeah. you, you're you're outgrown your place and there's enough opportunity to go more uh and then so you know, it's one helps find the science helps find ways you may not see can validate you to move forward quicker. And the three just unlock it's a different perspective and just opens up some uh, uh, unlock some opportunities you may not have thought of. Uh, mm. And my big thing is that just helps, especially on, you know, back to where I talked about earlier, you know, two reasons why something fails. Either you didn't put a location in the right place. So you don't want to do, you know, on the front and get that right. And then two, just evaluating your leadership team and your people you know to me the data is all about community it's about coaching the team and you want to help them succeed uh and the data can help you just out kind of out you know help help coach the people and you know you're just trying to make the team you know successful yeah oh absolutely and i think that's a very powerful way to wrap up this conversation um and if, Again, Roger, thank you so much for your time uh, and being able to share your expertise and the dedication that you've put to your craft, because obviously it's having an effect uh, on everyone that you're coming in contact with and uh, us being one of those people, being able to have you come on here and, and share your amazing insights. No, thank you for having me. Much appreciated. So. And... For anyone that wants to continue this conversation with you, Roger, like has the questions or um, wants to talk to you about how maybe you can help them in this particular area, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, email is rogerb at unleashedinsight.com. Uh, you can also ring me at 314-276-2230. Uh, the website's unleashedinsight.com, and you can also uh, send a, there's a contact form on there as well. 
excellent uh, and we'll definitely be sure to have the the website link on the, our show notes too so you guys can connect uh, with roger there and as we always say i mean this is where opportunities are created reaching out and connecting with new people building relationships so i hope you do take this seriously uh, and reach out to roger and and be able to uh, benefit obviously from his expertise and how we can help grow your business even further uh, <clears throat> And the last thing, uh, obviously, I just want to thank you, the listener, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, so I'm happy that you're looking for ways and resources to grow and improve your business. And that's something that we can never stop doing on this pursuit of life and, and business growth. Um, so I definitely commend you for having that type of mentality. Uh, and with that being said, I look forward to having you join us on the next episode of the Fitness Business Freedom Show. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Fitness Business Freedom Show. On behalf of Fitness Revolution and myself, we are thrilled you are looking for ways and resources to move your business forward, and we are honored to be that source for you. If you would like to receive more business building support from us, be sure to head over to the show notes and join our subscriber list and stay on top of all the industry insights that matter most to you. Now, before I close out today's show, if you found this episode beneficial in any way, I just ask you to leave us a simple review to help other gym owners find us and discover this show. Thank you so much, and I will see you on the next episode of the Fitness Business Freedom Show.